In this week's Round the Horn edition, we discuss Diamond Sports bankruptcy, why Discovery is giving HBO Max subs more content for the same price, YouTube's March Madness multi-view, and the fast content arms race. Listen on to find out more. Welcome to this week's edition of Inside the Stream. This is Will Richmond from Video News, and that was Colin Dixon there, of course, at the top from Endscreen Media. Colin, how's everything going? Hi, great, Will. And are you getting ready for March Madness? Is that a thing that you get into every year? Yeah, but I have to say, I think March Madness has a branding problem because the final game is again being played in April. Shouldn't it, at a minimum, be called March slash April Madness, or maybe even just April Madness, to be more accurate? So, Will, a little thing called alliteration (laughs) means that it will never be called March, April, March Madness. Well, (laughs) I guess (laughs) alliteration takes takes priority over accuracy in this Uh, world. (laughs) I think it probably does. Uh, But we're going to have a fun today with uh, no real big stories that we want to talk about, but we do want to talk about four stories that hit our radar, which we thought were interesting. So you're going to kick us off. I am. And this is a story that has we have talked about a number of times recently, and we were all essentially waiting for the timing. And that is the official bankruptcy filing of Diamond Sports Group which is the largest owner of regional sports networks in the country, uh, provides, according to Reuters at least, provides local television broadcasts for nearly half, half of NBA, NHL, and MLB games filed for bankruptcy protection on Tuesday evening. We're recording here late Wednesday. Um, So the quick background, as most of our listeners probably know, is that Diamond resulted from Sinclair and Byron Allen acquiring the uh, RSN portfolio that Disney inherited through its acquisition of Fox. Um, so, in so they did a, a uh, an auction, and in May at May 13, 19, I'm sorry, May third, two thousand nineteen, the parties announced that um, Diamond would be formed by Sinclair uh, with a big equity investment from Byron Allen to acquire the um, RSNs, to acquire essentially the portfolio of 21 regional sports networks from Disney at a valuation of $10.6 billion. So flash forward to yesterday, and they announced that they were um, not only declaring bankruptcy, but that they were essentially transferring the full equity ownership in the entity in Sinclair to the debt, uh, to the debt holders, the banks and the other debt holders. So that means, I think, if I'm doing the math right, that the entire $10.6 billion that was used to the equity that was used to acquire the company just less than four years ago has been completely wiped out. That's a basically a ten plus billion dollar wipeout for Sinclair and Byron Allen. And it's not even clear exactly to me how the math works here because 
at the time of the acquisition, they said that they were taking on an enterprise value of 10.6, reflecting a purchase price of 9.6. They were taking on $8.2 billion of debt to finance it. And in yesterday's filing, they said that they were basically giving $8 billion of debt holders the equity in the company. But meanwhile, along the way, they've actually done multiple write-downs. They've written off, it seems like, at least like $5.5 billion of write-downs that they had already incurred in the past three years. So I'm not really sure, unless they were just borrowing gobs and gobs of money, how they get to still having a carrying value. Well, actually, I guess they don't. They don't have a carrying. They have a carrying value of probably south of five billion dollars, but still eight billion or nine billion of debt overhanging. Uh, I'll be interested in reading the filing when I get a chance. But you know, the net of it is it's a complete wipeout for the equity holders, and they got pinched by really four main things. Of course, too much debt on the business is top of the list, but. They got pinched by COVID. They got pinched by the rise of cord cutting and streaming. And they got pinched by pay TV operators naturally pushing back on their requests for ever higher carriage fees, even while audiences were no doubt declining. So um, really, really bad, uh, perfect storm that Sinclair and Diamond Valleys, they renamed it got caught in. And I guess the question is, where to from here? I mean, when you have the company that operates half, has half the market share in an industry declares bankruptcy and is really not going to be able to continue making its payments of its obligations, that flows downstream to those who are on the other side of those obligations, the teams, the players, the you know, the owners, etc. I don't even know exactly how this plays out, but as I said last week, it, it certainly, almost certainly plays out in a way that's negative to the rights holders and the players and the talent in sports when you take that chunk of revenue out of the industry. Yeah, you bet, Will. And what I can say on this, this as we've, we talked about it before, what I can say is the feds did Disney the biggest favor in the world <laughs> of making it a condition that they sell the RSNs to allow them to buy Fox. It, oh my gosh. <laughs> Disney walked away with $10 billion on a business that now is, well, goodness knows what it's worth. It's not worth anything like that, that's for sure. So you have to ask the question, Colin, I mean, I completely agree with you. The feds did Disney an incredible favor by forcing them to sell the the RSNs. But I guess the question is, had they not, had they not forced Disney (laughs) to sell the RSNs, would Disney have chosen to hang on to them? Because, of course, the RSNs complement ESPN very nicely. Disney would have been by far the biggest player in sports, as if it wasn't already the biggest player, it would have been by far the biggest player. Hard to believe from my standpoint that given the choice, if the feds had not forced his hand, given the choice 
Bob Iger would not have chosen to hang on to those RSNs if he could have. What do you think? I, I think you're absolutely right. I think he would have held on to them, no question. He's stayed four square behind ESPN. Uh, he launched ESPN Plus as he, he saw it as the hub for sports online. I think he would have probably done something there when he, when we go renegotiating the rights so that ESPN Plus could sell subscriptions to those in you know uh, inside of it in much the same way as they've done with WWE and I think he would have undoubtedly held on and and maybe will in those circumstances he would have been able to keep keep the business going um, you know with Disney's muscle in the negotiations with the pay TV operators maybe that would have been enough to keep those RSNs available inside of the pay TV ecosystem and in some way viable today but uh, I guess we don't get to know that well I mean I guess one question is how much debt would they have piled on how much of the 70 billion dollars of debt or 70 billion dollars of acquisition I can't remember exactly how they financed the Fox acquisition but um, of the debt that they took on for that deal how much would they have loaded on to the RSN's books and um, you know essentially made that entity carry uh, which is, in a sense, a distinction without difference because it's all just Disney at that point. But, um, I mean, there's no question that Diamond just loaded way, way too much debt on uh, onto the, the RSNs. Even if, even if the market had stayed healthy, they loaded too much debt onto it. Um, maybe Disney could have sustained without all those you know, all, all, all that debt that was piled up. I, I don't really know. I mean, it would yeah. take a lot more effort yeah. to inspect the financials to understand. It certainly would. It certainly anyway, would. Anyway. But, uh, yeah, shall we it's move It's a on? mess. Yeah, it's a mess, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> a cluster, as some people like to say. Uh, go on, number two. What's number two this week? Well, number two is something that we've talked about a lot on the podcast, and it was really good that we got a little bit of visibility here on what's going to happen with Warner Brothers Discovery and the relaunch of HBO Max. Now, uh, we've, already, we've already talked about the fact that they at last saw the light and realized that they couldn't retire Discovery Plus because the price point dif differentials between Discovery Plus and HBO Max were too great. But in the announcement that they gave when they said that they would retain Discovery Plus, they did say that they were going to continue to roll into HBO Max a whole bunch of Discovery content. Of course, we haven't seen what that's going to be. But, well, Bloomberg is reporting, they reported actually at the very end of last week, the price points that they have picked for this new to be named HBO Max product. And basically, Will, it's the same as it is today. It will be $10 a month with ads and then $15 or $16 a month without ads. And apparently they're going to add a, a higher price subscription at $20 a month, which they say will it'll probably offer Ultra HD access and maybe downloads and maybe more simultaneous streams, something, the way, something in the way Netflix does it. Uh, but what this essentially means, Will, is that the people that have HBO Max now are going to get a whole bunch more content and not have to pay any more for it if they don't want. And this has already happened once when HBO Now went to HBO Max. 
they got a whole bunch of Warner content, which they didn't have to pay extra for. And now Discovery is doubling down on that. And I, I just don't get this at all. Why not ask the people that really want it to subscribe to Discovery Plus? Give them a bundle price if you want. But this, to me, this does not make sense. Well, you know, I've said in the past that I want to give credit to the Warner Brothers uh, Discovery team for knowing their way around a spreadsheet, but uh, that did get debunked uh, recently. And I hate to say it, but I'm not feeling any greater confidence right now, to your point. So I really don't know what to say about this. I really have no idea. I mean, I, I, can you convince yourself that this will cause a surge of new subscribers to HBO? I, I, I just can't. I, can't. I just cannot believe that. I mean, after all, all the people that really wanted the extra Discovery Plus content, Discovery content has got it in Discovery Plus and they've got it for five bucks a month. So <laughs> I just, I mean, maybe some people will cancel Discovery Plus and get HBO Max. I, I, I don't know. I can't convince myself that there's any upside at all to doing this for Warner Brothers Discovery. I mean, one one cynical thought that I can offer up is that maybe the um, team at Warner Brothers Discovery should be, having just played a couple rounds of golf over the weekend, maybe they should be going to school on how uh, Diamond's lawyers handle the bankruptcy proceeding because that those insights could be beneficial for them someday. <laughs> well, this is a company that's saddled with a shed load of debt. That is absolutely for sure. And of course, there are continue to be rumors flying around that they're up for sale. Uh, that you know they're looking for somebody to come in and buy the whole kit and caboodle and and relieve them of the of the huge debt burden, which I have a feeling is really beginning to hang like a millstone around David Zaslav's neck. I'm sensing a growth opportunity here in bankruptcy lawyers that specialize in media deals. What do you think? <laughs> I think I, 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 well, they should send their resumes over to, exactly. to Warner Brothers Discovery. Yeah, I don't think they'll even need to send their resumes. They're going to be in such demand. It's one of those beautiful scenes where the inbound, just the phones just ring off the hook, yeah. unfortunately. Anyway, we joke, but this is, this is very serious business. It um, is. There are billions and billions of dollars and countless jobs at stake here from deals that should not have been done in the first place. Yep. And people who are going to pay have already paid through layoffs and are going to continue to pay the price. So this really is not a joking matter, but it is uh, there is a certain comedic element to it that's hard to deny. There is, there is indeed. Uh, but maybe, maybe that's enough on that. Uh, let's now let's get back to March Madness. It looks like people yeah. are going to have fun uh, watching it on YouTube TV. Yeah, I was going to say some people are going to have fun. Those who subscribe to YouTube TV because they a YouTube TV that has announced a clever new feature this week, where which they're calling MultiView which is going to essentially stitch together four, up to four live streams of different games into one mosaic, essentially. So when you're watching YouTube TV, you'll be able to see four discrete 
streams coming to your TV and you'll be able to choose which ones you want to watch with captions versus audio uh, and which one you want to watch, you want to listen to the audio of that feed. Um, I think there's one little asterisk in this, if I'm understanding their post correctly, which is that the user, at least initially, will not be able to choose which particular four streams it wants to watch, but rather it's YouTube that's going, TV that's going to stitch together these streams. And, uh, you know, it's, it essentially becomes like a four in one channel that, again, you as the user control which audio you hear. But it's not like you can choose from among whatever 10 games happen to be on at that time or 10 other sporting events for that matter, you know golf from the other side of the world or a hockey game or, you know, early season baseball, whatever, and stitch those any four uh, kind of a la carte process. It's going to be a much more packaged thing. Um, I think that's really the technical uh, side that's dictating that. The technology limitation is dictating that. Uh, but it's, you know, it doesn't seem unreasonable to believe that at some point YouTube and the others will create these kind of four and one channels with every permutation of every sporting event that's on at the time. So you can literally, you know, it, it'll feel like you're making the choice of which four you want to watch. But in reality, YouTube has already done that stitching of every configuration possible. And you're essentially just tuning into that channel. However you want to slice it, I, I think it's awesome. And um, as you said, right in time for March Madness or March April Madness, whatever we call it. So, um, hey, kudos to uh, kudos to YouTube. I, I guess, I, guess I, I have to ask the question or just wonder about it. Like, if four streams are coming to your TV, does that mean that they kind of automagically just created four times the ad inventory <laughs> that, they previously, that they previously had. I mean, you're still just one viewer with two eyeballs, but if you have four streams with four different ad loads coming in, I, I think they just quadrupled their ad load. Yeah, I, I, well, maybe, that's pretty clever. Maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. But I got to tell you, with this, I, when I read this, Will, I, I pretty, I'm pretty sure that uh, folks like Comcast were doing these sorts of features inside of, well, Xfinity, when it became Xfinity TV. But I'm pretty sure you could you could get this sort of feature with things like uh, Sunday Ticket. And I don't know if they were doing it for March Madness, but I'm pretty sure I've, that we saw these features inside of the typical pay TV subscription. So maybe it's sort of back to the back to the future here. I, don't, I never saw that. Did you? I mean, what you're Oh, you know, I'm pretty sure I saw it. So you did see it? Yeah, oh, I yeah, I don't, absolutely. I don't have direct TV, but I absolutely. do have Comcast. I do have Xfinity. I've never been exposed to that. Yeah. And uh, I, I, got to, I just want to make a note here. If you are a Sling TV user, you are totally left out of the fun. Uh, they are actually launching some features specifically for, uh, for, for March Madness. Uh, and in fact, what they're going to do is they're really leaning on their sports scores feature. They're basically adding a dedicated home screen row, row that enables users to check matchups, view scores and jump in into the best live game all in one place. So they've got that. But get this, this I love this feature. If 
they, they don't want to spoil a game for you if you're recording it. So if they detect that you're recording that game, they will not show the result in this uh, match in this uh, in this row on the bottom of the screen. So that I think that's a really cool feature. So you don't have the game ruined for you. Um, and you can also check the check the sports scores on Roku, Amazon, and Android TV. And they've even got a feature called Side View for browser users, which allows you to watch all the action in a small screen overlay while you're working. So <laughs> if, if you're really obsessed with it, then you can watch on your TV, on your uh, PC while you're at work and maybe quickly bring up your browser to a different screen on the browser to hide it when your boss shows up. In its annual ritual, America's office productivity plummets from 90% to 20% for several weeks. <laughs> All those office pools, absolutely. <laughs> All right, Colin, five minutes left. Uh, give us your quick wrap-up on Fast Highlights this week. Uh, I will. Yeah, it's been quite a week for Fasts. Again, Will, my goodness, there is a content war raging between all of these fast services. They're really looking to differentiate themselves from each other now through, with, through content. Uh, this week, I just want to note three things that I saw that I thought were kind of interesting about this. So first off, uh, Vizio launched a series talking about March Madness. This is linked right with March Madness called the mini sit. They're launching a mini series called Three Pointers. And they're working with Man vs. Food star Casey Webb. I've never seen the show, so I don't know who the heck he is, but that's what that's who they say they're working with. And this show is going to be four parts, and it's going to basically talk about fun food that you can have for your March Madness party, viewing parties, games you can play, drinks you can drink. So, you know, they've got this is a this is an original series that they've worked with uh, Bet MGM. Uh, apparently Bet MGM is sponsoring this series and uh, so that's really really cool it's an original series only on Vizio uh, I think it's actually I think it's its second original they did they did something with Tory Spelling called um, uh, At Home with Tory I think that was their their original series there with her so there's that's with Vizio um, second off is Roku Channel Roku is working with Two social media stars, Rhett and Link, who have a, have a company called Mythical Entertainment. And they've got, uh, they've got this huge show on YouTube called Good Mythical Morning. I think it's got like 18 million subscribers to that channel. Well, they're launching a channel called Mythical 24-7 on the Roku channel. Uh, and it's taking that show and other shows like Good Mythical More, Mythical Kitchen, Ear, Biscuit, Ear Biscuits and a whole bunch of other stuff and rolling that into a 24-7 channel called Mythical 24-7. And uh, this looks like a pretty good move to me, Will, because I was checking out some data from SimilarWeb that suggests that uh, a lot of young people are watching these linear channels. And uh, Pluto TV, for example, this similar web says that Pluto TV's half of Pluto TV viewers are actually in the below 34 years age group, and half, and, and half of that is 24 and, and less. So it seems like that's a 
pretty pretty smart move there from the Roku channel. And finally, uh, Redbox, Redbox, which was purchased by Chicken Soup for the Soul Entertainment uh, quite recently, I think at the beginning of the year, they're beginning to beef up Redbox Free Live TV. Now, this was something that Redbox came up with to really give to the people that were using their uh, Redbox, the Redbox Plus members that were using the app to to rent movies. They wanted to actually give them live TV and help them transition and benefit from helping them to transition to online streaming. So that's what Redbox Free Live TV is. Well, they're playing catch up a little bit now. They just added QVC and HSN linear channels. Um, those are already fairly widely available and they also have their own app. They, they, they're owned by Curat Retail Group. So there's an app that you can get QVC and HSN already. But this, I think, is a really good move for Redbox Free Live TV. Uh, their, their, their viewer base, I think, will be particularly interested in this because many of them are probably still traditional pay TV customers. So, you know, here's Chicken Soup helping those customers transfer to the streaming world with QVC and HSN. So uh, I think that's, that's all to the good. And as I say, we have this content uh, arms race going on between all of the fast services to see who can keep who can grab the most viewers and keep them because I tell you what the uh, churn rate amongst those uh, those services is pretty darn high well there was a date data point from uh, TiVo in their Q4 2022 video trends report that showed that the that I think, um, let's see, nearly a third of viewers said that they only use a fast service for at most three months. That's a pretty horrifying churn data. So they're going to need that content if they're going to hang on to those viewers. Agreed. And no doubt there will be plenty more fast related stuff in the coming weeks and months. Very hot corner of the market. I think it, that might be all the time we have for this week, though, Colin. What do you think? Yeah, yeah, uh, it certainly is a hot topic, Will. And I just want to mention that I will be in the UK next week at the Connected TV World Summit at the Convene Centre. And looking forward to seeing you there. If you see me there, flag me down. Come, let, come, come say hi and... We can talk about the podcast and talk about what's got you interested. So, I feel like uh, anyway. those guys are raising the stakes a little bit. If they're the Connected TV Global Summit, does that mean that my next event has to be the Connected TV Galactic Summit or something? <laughs> and Universe, Multiverse. No, no, no. Don't use, don't use Multiverse. That would be confusing. <laughs> I'll figure it out. Okay, Colin. Good chatting. Thanks everyone for listening, and we'll see you all again next week. Inside the Stream is a production of In Screen Media and Video News, all rights reserved.